0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please
1: visit firstpresevanston.org.
2: Our scripture reading today is the Gospel according to John chapter 9, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles, beginning on page 97 or on
3: screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you is hidden all knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered,
2: Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works may be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, Night is coming and no, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world.
0: When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him,
2: Go, wash in the pool of Siloam.
0: Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered,
3: The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They
0: brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask how he had received his sight. And he said to them,
3: He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the
0: Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he
3: opened. He's a prophet.
0: The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?
3: And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself.
0: His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered,
3: I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to
0: him, What did he do to you? How
3: did he open your eyes? I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then
0: they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered,
3: Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing.
0: They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him,
2: he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man?
3: He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him,
2: You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he said,
0: Lord, I believe. And
2: he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said
0: to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them,
2: If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is
0: the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Harper and Marilyn and Melissa, for reading scripture for us today. Last week, for those of you who were here, you might remember that we read a a similarly long passage. And the interesting thing about the Gospel of John, there are these long discourses that you'll find in the passage, but they're quite intriguing when you begin to read them. Last week, we read from John chapter four about the woman at the well and her conversation with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but whenever I read John chapter four, I can't help but feel compassion for this woman for her lack of faith, and for her misreading of Jesus. And the reason why I feel compassion for the woman is because I think her upbringing and her exposure, her exposure to the centuries of of racial and ethnic conflict that exists between Jews and Samaritans, I think all of those social issues have somehow conditioned her, her action and her reaction to people who are Jewish. And you saw that in the text, and yet, despite her social context, I think this woman had a fundamental problem that afflicts all of us. And many of us in this room, including myself, have been or we are being affected by this fundamental problem, and that is the problem of spiritual blindness. And I'm going to say more about that in a moment. But you'll notice in the story last week that once Jesus revealed himself to the woman at the well, she confessed her faith in Jesus, her, and I'll use this word, her spiritual eyes were, were opened, and this woman took off running. She ran right back to her village, and she shared the story. She shared her story, and we're told at the end of the story that many of her people, many of those who lived in her village, said that they now believe in Jesus as Savior of the world, and it was because of this woman's story but in contrast to the woman at the well, and we'll call her an ins- an outsider, in contrast to the woman at the well who-, who could be considered an outsider, today's reading is spotlighting people, religious people, that we will call insiders, people who claim to know the truth, people who have been exposed to sort of a religious framework, and yet they're blind. And like the woman at the well, these insiders also misread Jesus. And so what I want you to see in today's text, you already know this, is that there are two ways of seeing, right? Two ways of seeing. We have physical sight, which, thank God, many of us here in this room possess. Uh, Mine is a little challenged many times, and depending on the size of the font, you'll see me wearing glasses. But for the most part, I have physical sight. You have physical sight. But there's another kind of sight that many of us don't have and maybe even in this room don't have, and that is spiritual sight. Spiritual sight, or, or seeing with the eyes of the heart. Open my eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus. Seeing with the eyes of the heart. And both of these ways of seeing are on full display in John 9. So, again, let's just quickly rehash the story. Because of the man's congenital blindness, he was born blind. And you know the big debate. Is it because he did something wrong? Did his parents do something wrong? Why is this man blind? This man was born blind. He had never seen his parents' faces before, never seen the sun, the moon, or the stars. Everything around him was shrouded in darkness. He was physically blind. And his only path forward in this life was to be a street beggar. His neighbors, his parents, the religious leaders, they have the ability to see. And yet we're told that they're blind to the realities of faith and the nature of God. And I have to say this because this is something I've always um, been conscious of. One of the hazards of being part of a of a religious community is confusing religious affiliation and church membership with a relationship to God or with God, the Father, our Creator. The two are not the same, friends. The late songwriter Keith Green used to say that being in a McDonald's doesn't make one a hamburger any more than being in a church makes one a follower of Jesus. And so one of the persons or the groups that represent this sort of religious hazard that I'm describing to you is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the scholars of the day. The Pharisees were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And when they saw this man, when the, when the neighbors brought the man who was born blind, and now he's seeing when they brought him to Jesus, they refused to believe that Jesus was the Son of God who has the authority and the power to cause the eyes to see. One of the signs that the Messiah has come, and you see it all over the Old Testament, and, and Jesus himself announced it when he came, is that this Messiah would come and he would open the eyes of the blind. That's what it says in Isaiah and many other places. The eyes of the blind would be opened. And and here he is in their presence. And they said, we don't believe it. You know why they don't believe that he is the one? It's because he did the healing on the Sabbath day. And you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. And apparently, Jesus did a little bit of work. He took his own spittle, took some dirt and made a mud paste and put it over the blind man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man did exactly what Jesus did, and he could see. Problem is, when he now had the ability to see, he doesn't know who healed him. He, he knows it's the man with the name Jesus, but he physically, now with his new eyes, never really saw Jesus. Jesus disappears from the scene, and then at the very end of the story, he reemerges. So they said, "We don't believe it, because if you were a holy person, you would not break the Sabbath, and because you broke the Sabbath, you are a sinner, and you are a sinner. And because you are a sinner, we don't believe that a sinner can heal, and can do what you have done." So I asked myself the question, and I ask you the question: Which is worse? spiritual blindness, or physical blindness, which is worse. You know, Fanny Crosby, some of you know that name, was one of the most prolific hymn writers in the history of Christianity, as far as I can tell. She wrote over 9,000 hymns. Now, we don't sing all 9,000, but we sing quite a few of them. I'm told that at the age of six weeks old, Fanny Crosby, through a medical error, lost the ability to see in both eyes. But even though she grew up deprived of the ability to see, she could still, through her spiritual eyes, she could still visualize the beauty of Jesus. She wrote about Jesus. She wrote songs about Jesus that expressed words about Jesus in a way that are quite illuminating for us who have the ability to see. Let me give you some examples from some of her hymns, just about four of them. In the hymn, Blessed Assurance, this is what she wrote, visions of rapture now burst on my sight, she says. She's blind. That same hymn, Blessed Assurance, she wrote, watching, watching and waiting, Looking above. In the hymn, In the Cross, she wrote, Near the cross I will watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever. She can't see, but she's seeing the cross. And then that great hymn that we all love to sing, To God be the glory, she wrote, But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, When Jesus we see, Fanny never received her sight. She died, a woman without the ability to see, and yet during her lifetime, she saw the realities of God in a way that was just crystal clear, maybe clearer than how many of us see the realities of God. So the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning Because it's clear that these Pharisees, and the neighbors, and others were suffering from spiritual blindness. First of all, what is spiritual blindness? I want you to know what it is so you can determine whether you're struggling with spiritual blindness. I can think of a specific season in my life where I was in gross spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness describes a person who cannot see or understand spiritual truth or reality. It's a condition in which a person is unaware, or they might be unconcerned, and I've experienced both, unaware, unconcerned about the deeper meaning and purpose of life, and they cannot perceive or understand the things of God. Let me give you an example from, 2nd, from 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14, look at that passage, those who are unspiritual. Another way to say that is those who are spiritually blind do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit for they are foolishness to them. And you have to understand it's, this, is not, this is not the attitude of somebody who is anti-Christian. It's just that the thing doesn't make sense to them. Yesterday I, I went to a Judith and I stopped by a restaurant that we want all of our members to support. We went by, uh, by Mr. Hamas, and we met this beautiful, beautiful Syrian child. She just, she just bubbles over with joy, and her English was just so perfect. And I said to her, what's your name? And she told me her name. And I said, did you grow up speaking English? She said, no. She said, when I was living in Egypt, and she lived in Egypt for a while, they were encouraging her to learn English. And she said, why do I want to learn English? I speak in Arabic. English is foolishness to me. She was not against English. It just didn't make sense to her. She couldn't see the value of learning English. She said, now that she's in America, she's so glad that she's learned English. So when you are spiritually blind, the things of God are foolishness to you, and they are un, those people are unable to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. With spiritual blindness, and I've been there, friends, you read the Bible, and the Bible doesn't make sense. It's like nonsense. With spiritual blindness, you find yourself not believing and having a lack of faith, Your mind is closed off to spiritual matters. You lack spiritual discernment. You look at what is dark and you say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. And you look at what is light and you say, why would I want to live in the light? And you prefer the darkness over the light. And why is that? It's spiritual blindness. With spiritual blindness, we focus on the material and what is worldly. And we pursue that because we think, what else is there? even at the expense of pursuing God. Spiritual blindness prevents a person from experiencing what Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. It prevents us from experiencing that abundant life to which Jesus calls us and the peace that comes from a relationship with God. Yesterday, Judith and I was with a member of our church who is going through some major, major health challenges, and I said to this dear lady, are you afraid? And you know what the lady said, no, I know that my life is in the hand of God. That's the peace that passes all understanding. And so what I want you to hear this morning is that spiritual blindness is used as a metaphor to describe those of us who are, and I'll use another word that Jesus uses in the parables, it describes those of us who are lost. And you might say, I'm not lost. I know my way around Evanston. I know my way around the world. I'm smart, I have a GPS, but it's not talking about that kind of lostness. It's talking about a kind of spiritual lostness where you fail to realize that you were made for God, that, that, that your purpose in life is to come home and be in union with God, and you don't know how to find your way to God. You're lost, and what makes it doubly hard is that often when we're lost, we don't know it. It describes those who have strayed from God's path. It describes those who are resistant to the truth of God's word. Doesn't make sense. We live in the 21st century. Why would the Bible teach that? It's good to ask those questions. How is spiritual blindness removed, though? And thank God that it can be removed. It can be removed right here this morning. The short answer is that Jesus Christ is the one, the only one who can shine his light into our hearts so that we can see. You and I, we cannot remove this malady of spiritual blindness. And here's why. Let me show you one other passage that is chilling when you read it. And it just goes to show why this issue is so critical. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 where Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, in their case, talking about the people who are spiritually blind, the God of this world, who's the God of this world? It's Satan. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And why? Why? To keep them from seeing That's what we're up against here, folks. That's what you're up against. That's what your neighbors and your family members, that's what the world is up against. It's a spiritual battle, a spiritual struggle, where the God of this world is working overtime to prevent you and me and people all over this world from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. And so you and I don't have the bandwidth, the power to just open our eyes and say, okay, I'll fix this. No, we can't fix this one. Jesus has to do it. So how do we then, we know Jesus wants to change us. How do, we, how, do we, how do we move from that darkness to light? Well, first of all, I think it also involves seeking God. Seeking God. And if you're here this morning and you want to remove the blindness from your eyes and you want to see like that Samaritan woman Begin to seek God. Be a seeker. Say, Lord, I want to know you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to learn of you. I want to understand why you created me, Lord. Help me. I've read story after story of people who would say something like this, God, If you are real, help me to know you. If you are there, help me to know you. That sincere prayer, God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I will come to you. I'll reveal myself to you. But the second thing that's required here, my friends, it's humility because there's some people who will say, I am not lost. I don't need to know. That's your thing. Do your thing. You do you. I'm happy the way I am. But those who will experience that light, Those who will recover from that blindness are people who are willing to humble themselves and say, God, I don't know it. I don't know it, Lord. I humble myself before you. When Jesus came to the blind man and said, Do you want to be healed? you want to be healed do you want your eyes to be open do you believe that that i am the son of god lord if you could just tell me who you are i will believe in you that humility and when jesus said i am the one he falls to his knees and he worships him and he confesses him as his lord it takes humility look at the pharisees no humility pride hubris arrogance we don't care what you're saying. We are for Moses. You go ahead. You go be with that Jesus. We're going to stand with Moses. We, you know, it's this closed box, hermetically sealed. I've got all the truth. Don't tell me anything. Often those people struggle to see. And then there must be repentance, turning away, seeking forgiveness, asking God just to to cleanse you of every sin, and to set you free. I also find what helps us to overcome spiritual blindness is the recognition and the importance of fellowship in the church. One of the reasons why we lose our way, it's because we think we are a self-contained unit, that we have all the knowledge, you don't need to tell me, I don't even need to go to a Sunday school. Why would I need to go to a Sunday school class? I have a PhD. I went to Northwestern. And those people tend to be in a box and they're blind. But when you fellowship with other believers in a small group, in a Sunday school class, in a study group, you begin to learn from others. You feel supported. You feel encouraged. And God begins to take you on a spiritual journey where once you were blind and now you're saying, you know what, I'm understanding this in a better way. You know, in the end of the story, and we heard it as Harper read it, and I want you to hear it again. In the end of the story, the question comes up, what does it mean to see? What does it mean to see? John 9:41. Jesus said to the Pharisees, if you were to admit that you're blind, you would not have sin." But now that you say, we see, and that was their arrogance. They said, oh, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. We can see. Jesus says, okay, well, you are going to remain in your sin. And in the church, I have to tell you this, there are people, maybe even within our ranks, who are rejecting Jesus right here in the church. They understand the fundamentals of traditional religion, and yet they're saying, no, no, no to the authority of Scripture. No to the, to the lordship of Jesus over their lives. No to the call to forgive one another. No to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to stop something or to start something or to confess a certain sin. How is it possible that a person who claims to believe lacks such insight and would actually say no? And I think it goes right back to the peril of spiritual blindness I know we sang this song earlier but I want us to sing it again as our closing prayer and then we're gonna do the baptism we're gonna do the baptism right after this I want you just to sing this with me open our eyes Lord we want to see Jesus and if you're here this morning And that's where you are. You're spiritually blind, and you want your eyes to be open. You're willing to humble yourself. You're willing to to, to seek the Lord. You want the Lord to do that miracle of opening your eyes. And I want you to sing this with me a couple times as our closing prayer. Open my eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him. Sing it like you believe it. And say that we love him. And open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus. And if you sing that and pray that with with sincerity in your heart, I'm telling you, God will open your eyes so you can see him.